Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, and my daughter and co-host Heidi is on a plane today, so I'm going to be uh, flying alone on this show, but I have got a fabulous show today with a great friend of mine, Xander Sprague. Hi, Xander. Hi. How are you, Gloria? Good. I'm so happy you're on today. You're such an inspiration to everybody, and I want to tell people a little bit about you to start with out with. Xander Sprague is the go-to speaker and author for sibling loss. His mission is to help siblings, survivors, define their loss and choose a positive pathway. He is an internationally acclaimed book called Making Lemonade, Choosing a Positive Pathway After Losing Your Sibling. And he's helped hundreds of people, probably thousands by now, around the world. And he also hosts a podcast called The Lemonade Stand, which we'll be talking about later, that is for and about sibling loss. Xander, thank you so much for being on. Thanks so much for having me on, Gloria. Now, we were talking about the topic today because this is really an important topic. And uh, Xander's sister was murdered, and we'll be talking to him a, a bit about that I want to focus on his pathway through to hope. So we'll briefly talk a bit about the murder of his sister. But our topic is murder. Can you choose a positive pathway? And this show could be called How You Can Choose a Positive Pathway because Xander's done it through great adversity and he's got so much great advice to give you. Because if you take probably the, one of the most heinous things that can happen to your life and Xander is such a, a wonderful example of he can get through something this horrible and find a positive pathway. So we're going to give you some great tips today, and we hope you'll tell your friends and family about the show. So Xander, talk a little bit about your sis. Well, uh, my sister Lucy um, was 30 years old. She was a second year law student at John Marshall Law School in Chicago. And on December 9th, 1996, um, she was in her apartment, and a maintenance worker in the building um, had gotten access to some um, pass keys and let himself in, we think, to do just a petty theft. Um, and they surprised each other. He ended up um, strangling my sister and jumping out her fourth floor window onto a second floor roof where he broke his ankle. The police had him right away, so there was never any question of, of, of who did this. Um, and then um, 10 days after that, uh, he hung himself from the Cook County prison. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, I, that I think is, I, I view that as, um, I guess, a good thing in the sense that um, my family didn't have to go through what would have been a very public and, and very personally painful trial. Mm -hmm. But uh, your dad was a judge, right? Yeah, my dad was, was uh, a district court judge in Massachusetts at the time. So, mm -hmm. you know. So it's got of, to have been pretty high profile. The whole thing must have been. It was very, it, it was. It was very high profile. And um, had this gone to trial, um, we feel most likely it would have been on court TV, gotten a lot more press, and that would have made it a lot more challenging for the whole process. So this has been 22 years for you, right? Yeah, yeah. And you have had an incredible trip. 
So how old were you at the time? I was 28 at the time. Okay. Were you married? I was not married at the time. I, I did have a, a girlfriend who was very supportive um, mm -hmm. through that um, because she also was, was close to Lucy. She'd been my girlfriend for many years, close to the, you know, that's the mm -hmm. way that those things work. And, um, you know, but very, I, again, you know, Gloria, there, there were things I thought I would deal with in my life. And mm -hmm. murder really was not one of those things. Right. Well, tell me, uh, what had you been through before that? Anything that, that uh, built those grief muscles a little bit? Well, I, I mean, I'd lost, um, gr you know, um, grandparents. Um, mm -hmm. I had some, um, some friends of mine who had uh, actually lost siblings um, mm -hmm. and, that I knew. And so... Uh, some of you know some of that and it, it you know hindsight's wonder, wonderfully clear when you look back and say look at look, look at this path um that i'm on now with help, helping other sibling survivors and i knew people who had also lost siblings mm -hmm. and um you know so that was i think that was that's where it was was helpful those grief muscles had had a little work not not nearly right right they're just beginning uh, with the one exactly. pound weights right e exactly <laughs> and then suddenly you get 50 pound weights yeah absolutely yeah i mean uh, i i say to people that that you know that phone call from my dad was i just remember going numb from the top of my head down and i literally just didn't know how to process what he was telling me mm -hmm. because I just didn't, I, I, I just never imagined that um, my family would have to deal with, with someone, someone being murdered. And, uh, you know, perhaps that's uh, uh, naive on, on my part, but um, my sister um, had a, lived in in a nice apartment in a nice part of Chicago there was a doorman it was you know it was supposed to be as safe as a building could be mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so that 10 days they had him the 10 days I wondered how that uh, you know how that was and and how and how did you do when you heard it kill themselves what you know it's so interesting because um, particularly where uh, people are capital punishment, they wait for years and years. And then when the person finally gets executed or when the, or when the person finally gets um, their jail sentence after a long-term um, situation in court. And I know I'm asking you this question because I know you know the answers because you are a counselor. So, um, it's hard that waiting period. So you had that 10 days where you knew who it was, but some people don't have any resolution. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they don't. I mean, I went the, the day uh, after Lucy was murdered, my dad and I flew to Chicago. We had to talk to the, the police. We had to go to her apartment and get her uh, essential uh, documents, passport, license, social security card, um, fam you know, just stuff right. that, stuff that, that we needed. And then we had to. And the police had to get in there and try to figure it out. It's a crime scene. 
Right. I mean, they'd actually already gone in and and done their work. The forensic team was was already done. Um, but one of my questions in talking to one of the um, assistant state's attorney, which is like the what they call their DA, um, was whether we were going to have any kind of an issue, this being 1996 and right after, um, very close to um, the whole OJ trial. Um, mm -hmm. The man who, who killed my sister was African-American. I'm obviously Caucasian, so was my, my sister. Were we in a in Cook County, which is 60% African-American, were we going to have an issue um, with with race mm -hmm. and 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 they said no they didn't feel that there was any kind of a problem there this was you know a very straightforward kind of a, a a case but i know from my dad being a judge that there is no such thing as a straightforward no case thing. and and you know uh, things that i thought about in those 10 days were what if um, what if he doesn't have proper uh, counsel? What if on appeal, it turns out that something didn't happen? What if people didn't do their job? What if the jury just says, uh, we don't feel that there's enough to convict him? Yeah, well, let's talk about what that is, what you're telling me, because it sounds like you're in shock and trying to take control. Uh, yeah, somewhat. I mean, I'm trying to figure out whether what I want to. Yeah, I'm trying to find justice. some sanity. Yeah, and, and, and looking to say, do we, do we have a good chance of justice here, right? Mm -hmm. My sister didn't do anything. Right. And, and yet she's dead. And we know who did it. Right. And, um, you know, it's the fact that my dad is a judge is that a positive or or a negative right and um i, I don't know i don't know okay, now talk to me about being a sibling did most people want to know how your parents were or how did it go oh absolutely absolutely i mean uh, you know in that that first week i totally get it i mean some people asked how i was but i was really in and honestly i was i was in a fog um now, are, are there just two of you, you and your sister? I have a younger sister. Okay. And she was living in Florida at the, at the time. She, she obviously came up to, to Boston where I was living and where my parents lived. And So you're there, uh, though. So, yeah, you're yeah. right with your parents. So yeah. I, I was. I was. I was, you know, after my dad called, I, I lived seven miles away. I, I drove in, and I was there for my parents. And, and um you know, as I'm driving in, I'm thinking this is the worst possible thing that could happen to any parent. And um, I really didn't give my parents nearly enough credit for, for their own strength because I figured they would be catatonic in the corner and I was going to have to take care of everything. And I was trying to figure out what everything was. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily, my parents are a lot stronger than I gave them credit for. And they probably had some grief muscles that they developed over the many years. Uh, yes, I, I, I would say so. And um, but again, this wasn't anything that any right anyone in our family had ever dealt with. So it's sort of a whole new. Whole okay, so fast forward to mm -hmm. where? When did you did you have any turning point where you felt like 
that life was going to be okay again? Yeah, I, I, I actually have a, I have a freakishly good memory for dates, times, and places. And I remember I was driving on the Massachusetts Turnpike in Brighton, and I had this sort of revelation that even though I had all of these friends that were there supporting me, that I alone was going to have to figure out how to work my way through this. I also had had a moment um, in my apartment where I let... What year was it that you were on the turnpike and said, I got it? Oh, that was 19... That was in January of 1997. He was murdered in December of 1996. So probably like two months after, at the end of January, I was driving and just sort of had this moment where I was like, I'm going to have to figure this out. It's great that all these people are there to help me. But um, I mean, I'm going to use, because I'm, you know, uh, endurance athlete, I'll I'll use a marathon uh, metaphor here and say, you know, I I got to run Boston Marathon in, in 2014, which was fabulous. And I ran in memory of all of the siblings. Ah. Um, for the the people who died and who were injured and and for Lucy after that bomb blast there. and after that yeah. bomb blast but um I, I had to run that 26.2 miles uh-huh. no matter how much support I had I was the one who was actually having to go out and physically do that and I think our grief journeys we have to do that work ourselves. it's great right. that we have all that support um it's great all the people who are cheering me but I'm the one who has to do this work Mm -hmm. and tell Um, me what the work is i think i think one of the first things that i realized was i needed to let go of trying to figure out why this Mm -hmm. happened Mm -hmm. Uh, because i could spend the rest of my life trying to look for that answer and i will never have that answer Uh, or, or what could have been done differently and how could history have changed absolutely and i think i freed myself by saying i i i I won't know and even though it bothers me i can't be stuck there because i was really bumping up against that wall of why did this happen it's not fair what what could have been different you know what if she um hadn't been in her apartment because mm-hmm. normally, actually, Lucy wouldn't have been in her apartment. She would have been down at law school. It's just that it was exam period, and she didn't have an exam that morning. So she just mm-hmm. happened to be in her apartment. But I, uh, getting stuck on all of that, it mm-hmm. just doesn't. How long would you say it took you to get out of, to break that wall down and stop putting up that wall up of why's? I'd say probably about nine months or so. I mean, I was sort of noodling on it, but then I sort of had to just let that go. I mean, I, I um, about six months after Lucy uh, was killed, uh, I started um, some personal therapy because I felt like I was doing okay, but I just wanted to make sure, you know, from, from a professional that I was actually okay because i didn't want to sort of sometimes i think we we can uh, fool ourselves into believing that that we're okay and in fact we're not we're doing things that are sabotaging ourselves and i i wasn't drinking a lot i wasn't eating too much i wasn't doing things that were um uh self-harming self-harming in some way 
you know, yeah. I, I don't want to make those it, are subtle self harms. They are, they are, but but it's still important. I, I mean, I think um, you 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 had alluded to people not asking about me, and and you know, in the months that followed, as I was in Boston, people come up and ask how my parents were, but no one asked how I was, mm -hmm. and I started to have moments where I I was starting to believe that my my grief and my loss was not as significant as my parents. And then um, I, I came to the conclusion, and I tell this to all my sibling survivors, that our, our loss is just as important. It's different. And I'm not going to in any way equate it to the same, same as losing a child. But it but is- You can only know your own loss. I mean, sometimes pe uh, people get upset because say uh, a grandparent died and, and then they are talking to a bereaved parent and they say, well, you, you know, my, I know how it feels to lose a child because my grandmother died or something. You can only know your own loss and then people have got to cut you some slack because if it was just my grandma, I don't know. I don't know. If I lost my dog, I, people t say, get mad because people say they lost the dog. Well, you know what? For some people, that's a family member. I mean, you, you can only know your own loss. Absolutely. Absolutely. And... So you're helping a lot of siblings because I want to get to everything you're doing because you're an amazing guy oh, and uh, he's getting a, he's, you're finishing your hours, your psychology hours to uh, Palo Alto School of Psychology. Is that what you're going I Actually, I, gra I graduated from Palo Alto University with my okay. master's and I'm working on, on my hours for my professional clinical counseling license. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah. right, right, right now I'm, I'm doing, um, intern hours uh, in the Castro Valley Unified School District at the high school and in the middle school. And that's where he is today. And what a lucky group of people they are to have you there. Are you working with some people who've had siblings that die there? Um, I, uh, not, so far this year, no, but I actually just had a client this morning whose uh, father passed away uh, about uh, two weeks ago. So, All right, give us your number one piece of advice that you gave that person. Um, I told him that it would come in, that, that the grief comes in waves and sometimes it's overwhelming. However, um, to just remember to breathe. <laughs> Simple that, as that, breathe and drink some water, right? Ab absolutely. I mean, I, I, I was, I remember after Lucy died, um, for some reason I ended up watching S S Sleepless in Seattle, but I remember this line that Tom Hanks has where he, He's asked how he's doing, and he says, well, I'm breathing in and I'm breathing out, and pretty soon I won't have to think about that. <laughs> and that really, that really resonated with me because I'm like, yeah, that's exactly where I am, you right. know? Okay, tell us how people find you. you. Your wonderful book. His book is great, Making uh, Lemonade, Choosing a Positive Pathway After Losing Your Sibling, and you can see this guy has done it, and how do they get your book? Uh, they can they can go to um, xandersprague.com and uh, or you can also go to makinglemonadebook.com to buy the book. Uh, uh, if you want to hear more from me about sibling loss, I have a podcast called the Lemonade Stand that's available at thezanderzone.com iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. Um, not now, what's your to, website? Uh, well, I, I've got xandersprague.com is my main website, and okay. and you can can link to everything uh, from there. Okay, 
and wonderful guy. And he oftentimes presents at the Compassionate Friends, which uh, will have a national conference uh, next July. You can go on the compassionatefriends.org to find it. And uh, they sponsor these shows with us. So that's one of the ways we know Xander. And we hope that that's uh, the organization for people who have lost children, grandchildren, and siblings. So join up and friends can come too, of course. <laughs> so Xander, thank you so much for being who you are and for inspiring us and for showing how that people can actually choose a pathway. And we've seen people who don't choose the pathway, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a it, choice. It is a choice every day. Yeah, and it's work. I mean, you know, it's building those grief muscles, but it's a wonderful journey because how would Heidi and I ever know Xander if we hadn't been on this journey with him and so many fabulous people you meet on this journey and we love you and thank you so much for being on the show, Xander. Thank you so much, Gloria. Have a great day. And we want to thank everybody for watching this show. And we hope that you'll tell your friends and family about opentohope.com. And I always want to remind you, I know Xander does, and if Heidi were here, she would, to lean on our hope if you lost hope until you find your own. And God bless.